Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today, it is a solo episode with yours truly, and I'm talking about a concept called prune and bloom. Enjoy! Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio Laura. Hey, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. It is just me today. I am jumping on solo. I know a lot of you said you love these episodes, but truthfully, I've had so many epic guest interviews lined up that it hasn't felt right to just insert myself into the conversation when I've got so many great topics to share. But I really want to jump on myself today to talk about this concept called prune and bloom because I shared about it recently in my weekly email and my social media and it took off. So many of you resonated with this. So I wanted to expand on it further, put my voice to it rather than just typing and share it with those who haven't heard of it before. So this is a concept that I I, I'm not going to trademark it officially, but I swear my husband and I <laughs> coined this term. It's called prune and bloom. And the idea was that when you're trying to create positive change in your life, often we think that we need to add something. And we've been through this before, my husband and I, and this, we've literally lived this experience where we're like, we need to create positive change. So let's just do more things. And it doesn't often work out very well for us. So we would try and add these new things and we're like, why isn't this working? And it's often because there's not enough space. We're at capacity. So we've got no room to add new things. So we need to prune first. And so if you're a gardener, which look, I'm enthusiastic about, but not very good at, you will understand this concept. So let's imagine your rose garden. Again, I'm going to butcher this because I'm not a gardener, but if you want your roses to bloom, you can't just go and plant a million more roses. You need to prune the weeds first. You need to create the space for the roses to actually have the room and the capacity to bloom. And that's what this concept is about. It's about getting rid of the weeds first, creating room so that all of the beautiful, magnificent, aligned, positive things can come into your life. And so that is essentially the concept. It's very simple and it is powerful. It has worked in our lives so magnificently. So whenever we're feeling a bit stuck or we're feeling like we need to create positive change, We now go to the prune before we go to the bloom because we actually find once we've pruned something that's no longer serving us, that's quite negative, that's not really in alignment with where our values are at, the bloom actually happens organically. We don't have to force the bloom. We don't have to force the positive change. It just happens because we've all of a sudden created the space and created the room for it. So I really think this message is powerful and I know I've used it in my own life so much. And I really wanted to share it with you because I know it, like I said, that so many of you really resonate with this message. A lot of you also wanted to know examples. So whilst this concept is quite simple and you could wrap your head around it, you wanted to know specific examples of, yeah, Laura, I get it, but what did you actually prune? What, what are these things that you've actually pruned? So I sat down with my husband this morning and I wrote a list of all of the different things that we've pruned over the years because when you get so used to living a certain life, you forget some of the things. Like I forget that the way we live might be a bit different to the average person or that some of the things we do are a bit quirky or a bit unique because I'm just so used to living them. So I sat down with him this morning and I wrote a whole list of different ways that we've pruned over the years and how this has then opened up opportunities for our lives to bloom. 
and we live an amazing life. And I'm so grateful and appreciative of, of our life every single day and all the steps that we've taken to get here. And it hasn't always been easy, for sure. Pruning is not necessarily easy. It takes hard work. It takes time. It takes effort. But it's so worth it because what comes in place of getting rid of the things that no longer serve you is opportunities, friendships, all these amazing examples of things that are true and right for you to come into your life. So I wanted to give you some examples today so that you can really take some tangible things home with you today if this is something you're wanting to implement in your life. Now, obviously, I am me, you are you. Not everything I'm going to say right now is going to work for you, is going to feel right for you. I trust that you're listening to this knowing that you've got a really healthy level of discernment and knowing what is authentic to you, but you might just take some inspiration from what I've done as ways in which you might go, oh yeah, I need to prune that. I need to prune absolutely is something like what Laura has done. So here are some really practical things to start with. Stuff in my house is definitely something I've pruned over the years. So things that we don't use anymore, things that were gifted or just accumulated over the years that we've not gone through. I've pruned toys like they're going out of fashion because what happens is when I prune toys, my kids actually play with them. So it allows all this space for them to bloom because there's less stuff to be overwhelmed with. They know what to play with. They know where it sits. It's all in the right spot. They don't have to search for it. And then they actually get to play with it. So that's a great example of pruning toys actually allows the kids to bloom in their independent play because they know where things are it's easy to access. It means that I don't have to clean up a house full of toys every day and get overwhelmed with that. It's just, it works for everyone. Another thing that I really prune is clothes, which I'll probably talk a little bit more about later, but generally just things, stuff. We try to take a more minimalist approach. I don't like to keep a lot of just in case things or one day I'll wear this sort of things. We just prune, prune, keep it to the bare minimum because I also find, I don't know about you, but we don't get a lot of enjoyment out of stuff. We get enjoyment out of connection with each other. We get enjoyment out of nature. We get enjoyment out of the simple things. And so often we look at each other and we're like, our kids rarely play with toys. They play with the Tupperware containers and they play with or just the random household. They love the washing baskets. Why have we got all these toys? And I remember reading a book once about toys as well. And this is probably a topic for a whole other day, but I look at toys that also have multifunctional purposes. So, you know, those just like flashy plastic toys that have one function, you press a button, it does one thing and then it stops. And so all it does is this one thing. They're the toys that are really shiny and exciting and your kids often really want, but they're the toys that often get thrown to the unused pile very quickly because they're boring. They do one thing. There's no room for imagination or changing the play. There's no flexibility. So I keep toys like say magnet tiles where the world is your oyster. You can build a million things with magnet tiles. You can, you can do so many things. There's so much flexibility. So they're the sorts of toys we keep as well. So it's not just about how many we have. It's about how functional they are. Do they serve more than just one push button purpose? So that's another thing to consider. Now, other things we have pruned is our menu. So what we eat and what we cook. So it might seem boring to some, but I tell you what, it is liberating. So we have pretty much the same variation of breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. And people always ask me tangibly, what does that actually look like, Laura? Again, this is what works for us. You do you. But here's some inspiration if you're looking for it. 
Breakfast is often our lightest meal. We have a cup of milk or a cup of cacao for me, a piece of fruit, maybe a boiled egg, something really light and often something that's just easy and can be held in one hand. There's no dishes, there's no cleaning up because we're often headed out for the day on an adventure, after a play date, whatever it is. So it's just a grab and go snack. Sometimes I make bliss balls or whatever it is, super easy. Lunch is often sitting at home with some sort of snack platter. So avocado, goat's cheese, ham, cheese, fruit, some sort of snack platter where the kids can just have a little bit of everything. There's fruit there, there's some sort of protein and everybody is happy. There's little cleanup, minimal cooking. If we do cook, it'll be like bacon, eggs, halloumi, a fry up. Really simple. And then dinner, meat, three veg, old school. (laughs) So it's easy. Just often we slap a steak on or some sort of meat that I can put in the slow cooker in the morning and it's set and forget. I don't have to think about it. And then veg, I just prep. Often I roast them. So I just peel, cut, takes 10 minutes, not even, chuck it in the oven, done. That's it. Minimal cleanup, minimal mess. It's so easy to shop for. It's so easy to prepare. And I tell you what, the pruning of my mental load has been huge. So yeah, this is great. And I guess having these options, there's so many examples of how that has then freed me up to bloom in all these other areas of my life because I don't have to spend every nap time prepping food anymore. I don't have to be frustrated at my kids because it's taking an hour to get dinner ready. And, you know, they want me. Everything is easier. It allows me to be more available to my kids. It allows me to actually have some me time when it's nap time rather than having to madly prep dinner, which is what I used to do. So things like that made a huge difference. My wardrobe. So I have pruned what I wear. So I pretty much wear the same uniform depending on the season. So right now it's winter. I have pants, a top, a jumper and a knit and boots. That's it. And there's some variation of that every single day. So less thinking, less staring at my wardrobe. I did a podcast recently on simplifying your wardrobe. So scroll back and listen to that if you're specifically interested in this topic. But less clutter in my wardrobe. I have donated anything that I don't wear regularly. I've donated anything that I was holding on for maybe my size changed or my shape changed. I've, got, I've donated it all. I've donated formal dresses because realistically, we're not in wedding season with our friendship circle anymore. I'm not going anywhere that requires a ball gown. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later. Don't need you anymore. So it is so freeing. My wardrobe's about a third of the size it was and I love it and I don't have to think. So that's been huge, really huge. Now, our schedule is something I very much pruned over the years. I used to be a go million things a day. I thought I loved it because I was an extrovert and I think I actually just struggled to sit in silence and sit with myself and sit with having nothing on. So I've been practicing having less things on, less schedule activities. So we do at least one to two days per week with absolutely nothing locked in so that we're free to just fill in the day however we please. And we probably only do two to three scheduled activities a week. And this has been great. It has really helped not only me, but my children's regulation, everyone's temperament. We're not overstimulated and tired all the time. It's been really wonderful to prune our schedule. And again, I always find those weekends where we have nothing locked in, when you could say that's been pruned right back, that's when we have the most magical times because it allows this space for the bloom. Those unexpected, hey, what are you doing tonight? Do you want to come over for a barbecue? Or hey, we're going to the park. Do you want to come? You're like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then you just end up having the most magical weekends because you didn't have anything locked in. So that's been really a really beautiful example of the prune and bloom. 
We also aim to only do one outing a day because otherwise I find everyone is pretty tired and overstimulated. So that tends to be in the morning. But when I used to do two outings a day, that was just a little bit hectic. So we've pruned back right on that. I don't do any work meetings or podcast interviews generally before 10 a.m. if I can help it. So this means I don't need to set any alarms or feel rushed in the morning when my kids need me and I'm trying to get ready and whatnot. And obviously this is a privilege of working for myself, but it does require me to set boundaries and honor my needs. So it's not easy, but it is an option that is available to me, which is amazing. So just tweaking my schedule so that it feels more in alignment with how I operate and how I work. I don't like getting up first thing and getting cranked into the day. Mondays, I like to start slow. So I used to have childcare for my kids in the afternoons on Mondays. And that's always an ongoing process, trying to work out childcare. It's not easy. And again, not everyone's afforded the luxury and the flexibility of it, but I've tried to tweak it over the years so it works for me and it works for my kids. And that's just another example of pruning. So setting some boundaries around work. I write everything I need to do on a piece of paper so it doesn't constantly swirl in my brain all day long. And so it's actually more likely to get done as well, because I find if I don't write it down, I'm spinning my tires internally every day trying to keep track of everything. And it's just adding to my mental load. So I find that like from a mental load point of view, I absolutely can prune a lot of energy and a lot of stress by just writing what I want to get done down. And that might literally look like buy eggs from the shops or send a text message to this person, but just getting out of my brain, huge way that I can prune my energy and my mental load. Now, social media is a huge one because I think we spend a lot of time and a lot of energy on social media. So if you looked at your stats on your phone about how much screen time you had, you'd probably be shocked because myself included, I'm shocked and I sometimes try to put it down to, oh, but I work on my phone. I'm like, no, Laura, you don't work that much on your phone. But An example of how I've pruned in this area is I don't answer every social media message I receive. Now, shock horror, right? Because I used to answer literally every message I received because A, I was a chronic people pleaser and B, I thought it was good for my business. But truly, it was exhausting and actually almost impossible because I used to get so many messages and so many of them were essays long that I would then have to dedicate time to reading. And then they would be asking for, say, personal advice, tailored advice. And it's just not feasible for me to be giving that out, nor is it really like practical because I don't know these people. I can't really give consults online. And so I've had to set really strong boundaries around how many messages I answer because I'm one person and I get it. I get that it can be really hard to find advice online. And so I feel it's a privilege when people reach out to me and share their stories and ask for advice. But I remember this quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but something like, you don't have to turn up to every emergency that you're invited to, or something along those lines. And I think the same goes for texts and messages, and particularly if you run a business online, where you feel like you get a lot of questions and a lot of, hey, Laura, can you tell me about this? Can you tell me about that? Can you give me advice on this? It's just because you've invited me to that conversation doesn't mean I need to turn up. And I used to think that I needed to politely decline, but I also don't even need to do that. So Apologies if I've never gotten back to your message, but that's just a boundary that needs to be set because you know who misses out if I answer every single message? My family or my cup doesn't get filled in my own way. So that's just another example of pruning. So not feeling like I'm obliged to have to respond to every message or every invitation that I've been given. Now, along a similar line is following less people on social media. So 
being more intentional with my usage around social media. So unfollowing those people that really don't make me feel better about myself, who don't inspire me, who don't serve me in any way anymore. It's nothing personal. It's just being really intentional about how you use it. And then I set limits around how long I use it for and why. So again, when you look at your stats, you're probably going to be shocked at how much screen time you use. And imagine if we pruned that screen time and instead used it for other things to bloom, a new hobby, reading that book you said you were going to read. Like there's so much time for us to actually do all these amazing things if we prune the things that aren't serving us. I know for me, social media doesn't serve me for very long. So for example, I only scroll for five, 10 minutes because I realized how easily I could waste time numbing out on social media. And once I brought awareness to that, I was able to control that habit much better. So I still do it, but I do it within the limits. So I give myself a few minutes of grace and then I switch it off. And, you know, I never felt better for scrolls that lasted more than 10 minutes, particularly before bed. And I'd often think, God, I could have connected with my husband. I could have watched a movie. I could have read a book. And yet here I am half an hour later on social media and I've got nothing out of that. So imagine all the things that could bloom if you pruned even just a little bit of your social media time. Another thing I did was I unsubscribed from a gazillion emails that I realized I didn't need anymore, like your shopping emails, your brands that you follow, live music events, things like that. I did not need the constant FOMO. And I realized that if I needed a new jacket, I would just intentionally go out and buy a new jacket. I didn't need to go, oh, there's a sale on, I better buy one now. I didn't need to be wasting my time consuming things that I didn't need. So I unsubscribed from so many emails. Another thing we did was we got rid of our TV many years ago. Liberating, life-changing. For us, there is just no pointless distraction in our house anymore. If we want to watch something, it's intentional. It is something that we want to watch and we seek it out and we watch it, my husband and I together, or intentionally my kids will have screen time for certain shows. And it's not just passive consumption. I don't know about you, but if there's a TV on in the background, I find it so hard to concentrate on a conversation or concentrate on what I'm doing. I just often get distracted by the shiny screen. And so that's been huge for us. Getting rid of our TV has freed up so much time for us to then do the things that we actually want to do. We also try to avoid supermarkets and instead just try and get everything delivered to our house if we can. Overall, life-changing less tantrums from the kids who want the lollies when you're checking out because they're put there intentionally because they know that parents will go, oh, whatever, just take it. I don't want a tantrum right now. There's less temptation to buy extra things or things on sale. So you save money, less time spent driving the car, wandering around, packing into the car. It's just overall genius. Most I live like fairly regionally and we still get delivery. So I'm quite confident most people would be able to access some sort of delivery service. So it's amazing. And then less tangible things, but still equally as important to prune are things like I don't have conversations anymore that involve things like gossiping and bitching, talking about people. So I never felt comfortable in these conversations anyway, but I used to not really know how to remove myself without feeling rude or awkward or I just, I didn't know how to navigate that. Whereas now I just don't engage and I try and steer any of these sorts of conversations in a more positive direction. So that's just an, another example of like, energetically pruning things that don't feel good for you so that you can then bloom and have conversations that actually inspire you and light you up and make you feel good. I have conversations now about like my hopes and dreams and what I am passionate about rather than talking about other people and because that doesn't get you anywhere and that's conversations that come from lack of confidence, conversations that come from 
comparison. It never feels good for me. So just opting out of that has been amazing. And then opting out and pruning, spending time with people, or at least reducing time I spend with people that truly I don't feel like I can be myself around or who don't leave me feeling like perky and amazing. And I know this sounds harsh and maybe even rude. And that's certainly something I had to work through when I started feeling this way. But I used to be such a people pleaser. I used to say yes to all invitations because I didn't want to be rude. But so many times I would leave social engagements just feeling a bit meh or even a bit gross sometimes. And then I recognized that obviously it doesn't serve me. So why am I showing up to this space? That doesn't make any sense. But it also doesn't serve the friend or the person on the other end if I'm not fully showing up and wanting to be there. So I had to really sit with myself and go, why am I doing this? Am I doing it because I don't want to seem rude or because I can't say no, or I don't want to just cut people off because they're nice people. And I found every excuse under the sun, but I'm much more discerning now with who I give my time to, who I give my energy to, because I always think if you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So if I'm saying yes to a catch up with someone that I always leave feeling a bit meh, that means I'm saying no to truly connecting with someone that leaves me feeling amazing. And so I started saying no thanks a little bit more and it's truly allowed such a beautiful space for these other friendships to bloom and for these other more like beautiful aligned relationships to blossom. So that's another example, like a less tangible example, but another really important energetic example of the prune and bloom. I really hope that this episode has helped you A, understand this concept and then given you some tangible ideas just from my own personal life about ways that me and my family have pruned things that don't really work for us to allow all the blooming. And again, probably didn't go into the bloom as much, but that's probably not as necessary because the bloom is so unique to everyone. And what is you living your best life is going to be so different to me living my best life. But truly, I feel like I am living my best life. And it's always a work in progress. And it's always a recalibration. And it's always a check-in and how are we going? Where are we at? How are me? How's my husband? How's the kids? How's our relationship? Is everyone's needs getting met? What can we do about this? And it's a constant refinement, the prune and bloom, but I just think it's a really beautiful concept for those that think to change things in a positive way, you need to add. I actually find the opposite. You need to prune first and then it provides so much space for bloom. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Jump on over to at PhysioLaura on my socials and let me know what are you going to start pruning today? I would so love to know what you got from this episode and maybe some examples of where you're thinking that you could start to prune to open up space, create more room for beautiful things to bloom. Make sure you subscribe to the Pregnancy with PhysioLaura podcast, guys, because I have so many solo episodes on my mind that I'd love to share with you and also some amazing guest interviews lined up. Honestly, there's some real crackers in there. They're going to be amazing for any pre-postnatal mamas. Anyone who's a woman, to be honest, these are really the hitting bigger picture things. It's not so zoned in anymore. It's like we're talking the big concepts, how to live an epic life, how to be really authentic to yourself, how to step into your power. And specifically, we're talking about that in the pre-postnatal space, but it relates to anyone. So I'm so excited. There's some really exciting things in the pipeline. So make sure you subscribe. And like I said, jump on over to Laura and let me know what you loved about this episode. I hope wherever you are, you're having a wonderful day and I will be in your ears next week. Bye.